1: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Sports Radio 910 The Fair. Uh-oh. Bring the energy! It's happening. Get it, get get, get, get. for your lives. It's time for MP on the mic. Cunning. Capable, agile, flexible. It gets me pumped and it gets me going. Michael Phillips is... Let's go! MP on the mic.
2: Thursday morning, taking you up to the top of the hour. AWOD Radio takes over then. I'm MP Michael Phillips on the mic this morning. Uh, AWOD Radio takes over. AWOD's in Richmond. Can't wait to get his take on the Joe Bamasil decision yesterday. I'm up here in Ashburn doing some interviews, taking you inside the commander's locker room as we do on Thursdays. Uh, and look, uh, I'm not, I'm not naïve. Uh, it's kind of a dud of a season uh, at this point. And uh, there's there's not a lot to play for. And that was kind of the theme of the questions that, that I asked the guys yesterday uh, inside the locker room. What do you do? What do you play for? And I, I think you'll be impressed by their candor largely. Um, Jonathan Allen said, you need to play for the name on the back of the jersey now. Logan Thomas said, hey, everybody's got something to play for, right? Old guys trying to prove they can hang in the league like him. Young guys trying to prove they deserve that next contract. Whatever it might be, everybody's got to lean deep on their, their own incentive. And I, I think that's smart. I mean, that that's what they're playing for. And I think the coaching staff is largely." Leaned into that as well. You, tell, you know, Ron Rivera he fires Jack Del Rio, talks about simplifying the scheme, letting everybody go be playmakers, and people aren't being asked to be team players as much right now. Players are getting tasked with going out and making plays. I didn't get the sense they had thrown in the towel by any stretch on the effort, the practice time. You'll hear from Antonio Gibson. He he said likewise. But uh, you know, I want to start with Jonathan Allen because. Last time we heard from him, he was on the junkies saying he he would consider leaving DC this offseason, asking for a trade, saying he couldn't go through another rebuild. You heard him earlier this year, hey, it's been seven years. I'm I'm tired of losing. Uh, and he is. He is tired of losing. Um, and so this is, a, this is an interview with Jonathan Allen here in the Washington Commander's locker room yesterday as we take you inside the Commander's locker room. It's nine ten. the fan, one oh five one FM.
3: Besides the playoffs, because I, I feel like there's a lot of things that are out of our control. Mm-hmm. You know, for the most part, until we start to play better, I'm not really worried about that. You know, I'm trying to take it game by game. Um, but besides that, I mean, I definitely play for legacy. You know, I play for – what the name will be left when I'm done playing the football game. you know. For a lot of guys in the locker room, a lot of them are playing for the fame. A lot of them playing for money. So it really just depends. But I know for me, besides competing to win, I'm playing for the legacy and the name on the back of my jersey.
2: Last time we heard from you before the bye week, you were talking about keeping your options open to evaluate your future and you know wanting to be somewhere where you, where you could win potentially. What are some of the things you'd want to see here in the coming weeks and the coming offseason to show you this is a place you could be and be a part of a winning organization. A you know, that, that's kind of a tough question to ask. You know, in the middle of the season,
3: it's unrealistic to expect things to change and get to exactly where I wanted to be at the end of the day. I just want to be competitive and I want to compete. And I think we can do that here. I really do. So, I mean, like I said, my goal is to win and I'm going to do everything in my, my power to put myself in a position to help help an organization do that and
1: help this organization do it.
2: I always love chatting with Jonathan Allen and I, I appreciate the candor, right? You know, it. he... <laughs> Some of the guys, right? Ron Rivera made the statement, "Hey, we're not out of the playoffs yet. Mathematically, if we run the table, we could still get in." Uh, he wasn't having any of that because he doesn't take that BS. And and I think that's why fans of gravity to a great story. Obviously, uh, you know, having been through the foster care system, having you know been a number of different places as a military child, he. You know, he's got a great story. Fans connect with that. But I think the number one reason people connect with Jonathan Allen is he gets it. Like, he's not, he not trying to sell us a load of anything. Oh, we're still in it if things break right and 17 teams lose different games. No. We're not playing well enough to think about that, and they're not playing well enough to think about that. Uh, I think the thing that makes this interesting, and, and he knows this too, he's a D.C. guy, and he's a D.C. star, and he's loved here, that contract makes him really tradable uh this is the off season he comes in for a raise and i don't know if a new team's going to be excited about giving him uh, a new team here is going to be excited about giving him that or if they're going to send him somewhere where he could get that but he's in line for a raise i know that sounds crazy to say after the season but his contract is now way below market value uh he's going to be angling for some more money this offseason as he should And with a contract that low and entering that option year, and he's still got some good football ahead of him, he's still playing some good football, he's a guy who's going to be very easy to move this offseason, move for new parts. Now, a lot of it is new coaching staff takes over, new GM takes over, new team president takes over. They've got to evaluate how long will it be until this team becomes a winner again, right? So if you decide... We think we can rebuild this plane while we're flying it. Two years, one year with nine wins. Next year, we're a contender. I think you keep Jonathan Allen around. He's a great locker room piece. He's a star here. Uh, I think you keep him around. If you decide this thing's a full teardown, uh, I think you've got to consider moving Jonathan Allen this offseason. Certainly the fact that he's kept the door open to being moved makes the whole thing easier and and less painful. If he is moved, I'm not going to be... I'm not going to be cast in blame anywhere. It's a, it's a no-fault divorce, right? It, it, if it happens, it's a guy who gave his all, didn't get the results at the end of the day for it, and you send him off to somewhere where he can win immediately, a, a team that would want his services at that point. Uh, so I, I think Jonathan Allen's really one of the more interesting offseason stories. Now, I'm also very aware, as we do inside the commander's locker room here on Thursdays, uh, up here in Ashburn at, at uh, Commander's Park, it's depressing to be talking about the future on December 14th it's depressing to be talking about the future with four games left there's four games left in this season and we're talking about the future that's depressing i get that uh but that's where we are and and certainly uh, i think Jonathan Allen is a big piece of that and i i think he could be moved i think there's also a scenario where the new group says hey look we got to keep some players here. We got 90 million in cap space. Money doesn't matter. We can extend him out, and that that would be equally lauded as well by me. Um, but clearly, the doors open on both sides to that discussion. We'll see what happens, and uh, you know, we'll see what happens next there. Uh, Also had a great discussion yesterday with Antonio Gibson. Uh, The running back's in line for a bigger share this weekend, right? Brian Robinson is out with a hamstring injury. He didn't practice yesterday. Uh, We'll see what happens as the week goes on. Obviously, he'll try to play. uh, But if he can't go, it's a real opportunity for Antonio Gibson to showcase himself. Another guy who is in a contract year. Uh, This is the end of his rookie contract. And uh, with the new coaching staff coming in, he's basically a free agent now. He's got a chance to show his stuff. Uh, here was my chat with Antonio Gibson. We're inside the Commanders' locker room. If anything, yourself and your
3: teammates, uh, regardless of you know how how it's going and how it went. Uh, we put in the work. Um, no, no, I got nothing to we, we come in here day in and day out, and uh, you know we're away from family a lot. Uh, we spend a lot of time with each other, so um, I just say finish strong. Um, you know, fight for yourself. I feel like for pride. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and not giving up these last four
2: weeks and going out there and putting some good stuff on film. Do yeah. you start thinking about your future at this point, and what this may be? Your uh, my, last four weeks. My,
3: my focus is, is right here, right now, with my teammates.
2: Uh, finish off this season and uh, see how we do. Do you do you feel like so there were the fumbles early in the year, but statistically you don't fumble more often than averaging? Do you feel maybe misunderstood in that aspect a little bit?
3: Um, definitely. Uh, you know that year I led the league. Can't do that. Yeah, I caught hell for that. But um, year after that, I had no fumbles. Yeah, and I still, as soon as the, the first one dropped, it was, oh, you doing this again? So. Yeah. You know, uh, I just let it go in and out one year. Uh, It happens. Um, I'm not the only one that happens, too, so
2: it is what it is. (laughs) Speaking broadly across the whole offense, have you seen it evolve over the course of the year, the way it's called, the way you guys are used, Mm -hmm. Uh all that? Just the way he kind of exposes everybody's talents. Uh,
3: I don't think there's been, like, one guy who's just been, uh, you know, just mainly getting the ball, you know what I'm saying? Everybody's been getting it. Everybody's been put in different situations to make plays. Um, you know what I mean? Just uh, you know, to see the growth of, like, how Sam's been going, you know, trying to catch on to it and um, the way he's been doing week in and week out, uh, you know, that's just, you know, a positive thing to look forward to. We've seen him grow on the field. Have you seen him grow and here as a leader, too? Um, definitely. Uh, got way more vocal throughout the season. Yeah. Um, he wasn't, he, you know, he's kind of a cool guy. I don't know if y'all can tell by just talking to him in interviews, but he's cool. He's laid back, but... Uh, he starts to talk more breaking down the huddles you know giving us a little prep talk before games and stuff like that
2: uh, so you know that's that's something probably he he, he told us to have to work on and he's been doing a good job at that hey, yeah there's antonio gibson inside the commander's locker room michael phillips mp on the mic here on 910 the fan i, I mentioned his fumbling issues which I, I think he's been unfairly dogged for because that that year he mentioned his second year in the league where he had the fumbling issues he they were in really high-profile situations, right? He cost them points almost every time he did that. One of them was right on their own goal line where the opponent punched it in right away. They, they were super unfortunate fumbles in addition to being fumbles. But actually, over the course of his career, statistically, it's true. He, he fumbles it at an NFL average rate. And I think this year he's proven he's still got the explosive nature. He's certainly got... Plenty of mileage left in him. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up somewhere, or here, next year. I think him and Curtis Samuel are both really interesting discussions on that defense, right? Because with Curtis Samuel, you've got is uh, certainly a, a guy who has played really well this year, but is on a contract that overvalues his services. And, and those guys are always really hard to bring back, right? So when you've got a guy who's making too much money relative to what he's producing... If another team offers him $9 million a year and the commanders offer him $9 million a year, he's more likely to be insulted by the commander's offer than he is by the other team's offer, which is one of the realities of humanity and, and negotiations and money and uh, economic things that uh, we certainly don't have the time, nor do I have the intelligence to dive into today. Uh, but, but that's what Curtis Samuel's facing, right, is He's on a contract that's too big for what he is, but what he is is a good NFL player. Antonio Gibson, a guy who has certainly produced to his draft status of being a third-round guy, there's no mega contract waiting for him, but I do think there's a home waiting for him somewhere, and I think he speaks very knowledgeably on the offense and what they're doing. You you heard him say, look, nobody's throwing the towel in, they're out there, they're putting the work in. Um, you know, one of the stories that came out during the bye week, right, was Eric Bieniemy's working them too hard, and there was a pushback against that. I've noticed uh, noticed yesterday there does seem to be a throttling back of that. I'm, I'm curious if that's in reaction to the story. We'll Got a chance to talk to Eric Bieniemy today. Uh, I'll have more thoughts on that tomorrow during tomorrow's program. Uh, I'll be very curious. Uh, you know, where the offense goes from here as a group that now it's out there that they have not been thrilled with Eric Bieniemy's coaching style. Some of them have not been thrilled with Eric Bieniemy's coaching style. But also, there's opportunity here to prove yourself against some really good defenses down the stretch, right? Start with the Rams this week. Aaron Donald's going to be lining up on the other side. Jets' defense speaks for itself. The Niners are Super Bowl caliber, and then you finish with the Cowboys. It's a tough Final Four stretch there for the offense, but it's a group that could make some hay as well and, and make a statement, and we've seen some teams do that. I'll be very curious which team shows up in Los Angeles. Got a little more inside the locker room for you. Some final thoughts. We'll hand it off to AWOD Radio. All that on the other side of this. You're listening to 910 The Fan, now 1051 FM. Home stretch here, MP on the mic. 910 The Fan, we'll hand it off to AWOD Radio. Momentarily, uh, I'm in Ashburn. He's in Richmond. We both have plenty to say about the issues of the day if you missed anything from this program uh hit the honesty amp with the rewind button find us on all major podcast platforms uh, we ran out of time in the last segment i do want to play one more interview with you it's logan thomas you know i love talking to logan thomas we probably have him on the program a disproportionate amount uh which is okay because he's a hokey uh he's he's a home state guy uh he's fun to watch he makes big catches all he does is hang in there and get rocked over the middle uh and get first downs for the washington commanders i don't know where he'll be next year what i do know is we asked him about aaron donald and um his responses were great because uh he and aaron donald uh played against each other more than a decade ago when Logan Thomas was the quarterback at Virginia Tech and Aaron Donald was wreaking havoc on the pit defensive line. So here's Logan Thomas. We're inside the commander's locker room on 910 The Fan.
0: He's got to know where he is at all times. I played against him a bunch. We played against him a couple times in college. so. Okay. He's not hard to miss. That mouth runs a decent <laughs> amount. Man. He ain't afraid to say it either. Um. But a no, good dude. But yeah, you know where he's at <laughs> at all times. So, is that one of the cool challenges in this league? You're gonna have, you face,
1: you know, NFL guys every week. But when a guy like that, does your come to the hair stand up and go like, all right, I got to be all on my piece here.
0: No doubt, you don't play a Hall of Famer every single week, and uh, that's what he'll be first ballot, no question. Best defensive player in our generation, most likely. So, uh, yeah, he's you gotta know where he's at.
2: Is he a talker?
0: I mean, from my experiences in college and early on, yeah. I think the last time we played him, he was a little more mild. Uh, but, you
2: know, he's older like I am now, so probably comes with age. Hey, the new tamer, Aaron Donald, uh, comes with age, right? Uh, well, I, I think he's got the chance to make some noise. Uh, he's had four sacks before against this Washington team. You know he's going to be licking his chops against Sam Howell. That was one of the main points of emphasis uh, coming out of the bye right is and Sam Howell self-identified this as well we, we talked to Sam Howell yesterday and he said look I'm playing at my best when I make a quick decision when I throw the ball quickly when I get it out quickly uh, release it quickly and he knows that and, and obviously uh, you know his coaches know that it, it's not a matter of knowing what to do it's a matter of doing it and uh, certainly Aaron Donald staring down at you is a, a pretty good incentive uh, to do what you need to do and uh, to do it quickly. Uh, here's Logan Thomas on uh, what they're playing for this week now that the playoffs are out of reach. I think it's all
0: personal at this point, right? Everybody's got something to gain, whether it's the coaches, whether it's the players. Uh, we all have something something personal to accomplish, whether it's you're a rookie trying to make it or you're an old guy still trying to get it done. So, um, you know, for us, you take it in that approach, you play for the man next to you, and all the things will fall into place
2: and that's where we're at with the washington commanders right as we uh get ready for sunday's game against the rams uh you can be tired of it tired of watching it i know a lot of people are i'll be curious to see how the ratings come out from this uh right because i i do think a lot of people have started turning their attention to the national nfl picture to the cowboys to the eagles uh, the, even the Giants have a great story in Tommy DeVito. They're, um, I think they're running their Taylor Heineke arc down there, right? They're in the spot where they're falling in love with the guy who came off his couch. He's got the mom making the Italian food and the agent who looks like a mobster. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll probably give him a contract next year. He might have to play too often and, and, and fizzle out. I love it for them though. I love it for the Giants that so we've got that kind of character in the league, and I love it for them because I loved our Taylor Heineke era here. Uh, that that was an all-timer. All right, so as we wrap up inside the locker room uh, here on a Thursday on 910 The Fan, get ready to hand it over to AWOD Radio. An observation from yesterday, right? A, a lot of this is centered around why should you care? Why do you care what's, what's going to happen for the next four weeks? And I, I think there are intriguing subplots, right? Because these are four of the best defenses they're going to have played all year. And the big plot the rest of the way is, is Sam Howell good enough? Uh, and so he's going to find that out against the Rams, the Jets, the Niners, and the Cowboys. for really good defenses. Um, but this is about the media. I was intrigued yesterday uh, because the Washington Post, which is obviously the giant in the room when it comes to commanders coverage, football team coverage, Redskins coverage, as it has been for years, for the first time that anybody could remember, possibly the first time ever, they didn't have a representative in Ashburn yesterday. Uh, now, they got two great beat writers. Nikki Javala is down at the NFL owners' meetings, uh, which are certainly events of consequence. Sam Fortier has done great work reporting on the Capital One Arena story and the alliances as he was down uh, at that unveiling at Potomac Yard. But they didn't send anybody else out in their place, and I thought that was interesting Both from both perspectives, right? I mean, they used to say the two best jobs – At the Washington Post, we're covering the president and covering the Redskins. Well, the institution has changed and the team has changed. We've documented pretty well over the years how the team has changed. Certainly, Dan Snyder ran it into the ground to a large extent. Their record this year speaks to the lack of interest. I think a lot of you probably won't be watching on Sunday, um, but are still tuned in from a distance watching the soap opera, waiting to see what's next, maybe getting ready to dip a toe back in. Uh, but from the Washington Post perspective as well, they've become a national newspaper and their coverage of politics and of Capitol Hill over the years has earned them a lot of subscribers outside of the D.C. area who have never cared about the team and have no opinions Uh, and no interest in reading about them. And and certainly a number of their columnists have written about more increasing national issues. Les Carpenter, who used to cover the team so well, uh, is off uh, covering the Olympics now and the U.S. national team, which are all great things for the Post to do. But it's fascinating to me to watch the love affair between the team and the town has has fizzled on both ends uh, as the Post becomes a different institution and as the team becomes a different institution as well, no longer a civic pillar, no longer a situation where on Sundays the whole town stops and the whole state stops in Virginia and watches them play. Certainly still a lot of people will be watching on Sunday. A lot of people will buy back in if things change, if they get some wins, if they can put those back together. Um, But there's certainly a piece of something Uh, that's never coming back. And it was interesting to see yesterday, as certainly for the first time anybody could remember, the Washington Post didn't have a staffer in Ashburn. Uh, Now, I've I've gone in on this before, and I've I've said this, I've spoken about this with regard to my situation, having worked at the Times-Dispatch covering the team. I think generally corporations are a few years late, not a few years early in reacting to things. I think this probably was a sensible move 3 or 4 years ago as you began to sense the downfall of Dan Snyder and everything that was coming. I think as you look at right now though, now's the time to be buying in. Now's the time to be buying in on coverage, on interest, on talking to players and I'm certainly glad to be at the fan where I can be up here, uh you know, talking to players, bringing those interviews to you. I know it doesn't seem that way right now, but Bill Belichick said you always want to be a year early, not a year late. I think you're a year early to the coming out party here for the commanders and the story that's going to be written, um, but maybe a few years late to jumping off the bandwagon, which a lot of people should have done when that writing was on the wall uh, back in 2013, back in the, uh, back in those dark, dark final days under Mike Shanahan where things were falling apart. And you got the sense that no, Daniel Snyder wasn't going to change. No, Bruce Allen wasn't the answer. Uh, and then they limped along for a while. Uh, Just some interesting big-picture thoughts. We'll maybe expand on that down the line. We got a lot of time to fill. We got a a lot of weeks between here and the end of the season, but we'll be here for you. AWOD Radio will be here for you. He takes over next. You're listening to 910 The Fan, now 105.1 FM. Uh, but we've got a uh, we've got a lot to break down in the VCU side of things today as well because a, a court ruling yesterday provided a temporary injunction against the NCAA enforcing the waiting period on kids transferring between schools. Right. So we emphasize this isn't done yet. It's it's a 14-day hold. You heard Lane Castadane. He was on earlier in the show. Said he thinks this will ultimately be overturned. I'm not as optimistic. I think. If you look at what the judge was asking and and what, you know, each side was filing, they're essentially saying these kids are not employees, therefore they should not be subject to laws and restrictions that are designed for employees, right? Like, you know, when I go on contract here, I'll sign a non-compete. I can't walk across the street and do a competing sports talk show. Those are rules that are put in place to protect the company doing the employing there is no employing here these are just student athletes and so at least for the next 14 days uh, you've got the opportunity here uh, to play anybody who's transferred no matter how many times they've transferred and this is uh this is this is a wild situation here because joe bamisil who's going to be on his fourth team in four years uh is now eligible to play for vcu at least for the next 13 days as of yesterday's ruling and i do think ultimately This will be overturned because I I just don't think the NCAA is very forward-sighted in the things they do. Uh, I think the NCAA struggles to get ahead of things. They're too busy dragging their feet and trying to protect the way things were as opposed to jumping into the future, embracing this and crafting rules that can protect everybody. Because you need guardrails. You need protection. Otherwise, I mean, look at the Texas kid who's in the portal right now, Malik Murphy, their backup quarterback. Right now, under this law, under this court ruling, he could transfer to another school, enroll in classes, and play in a bowl game for a different school. He could go to Florida State and be their quarterback. Uh, and, you know, maybe Florida State shouldn't have been left out of the playoffs, right? In a world where they can just go get another quarterback anytime they need one, You'll have college basketball players would be able to leave at semester, go to a new team, and suit up for a new team that's previously been banned by the NCAA, and. It's just another example of the NCAA being short-sighted. But your implications for VCU here are equally wild because the VCU offense has struggled this year. That's been a big reason why they've lost the games they've lost. you got a big game coming up against Temple Saturday. Now you got Joe Bamisil, who hasn't played this year but has practiced. He was part of the, uh, the closed-door exhibition games, the black and gold game. Uh, and you've got Sean Berstow, who transferred in from Utah State. Now he is eligible to play. He's just been hurt, uh, but he may return to the court on Saturday against Temple. So you potentially got a huge shot in the arm for this offense, for the VCU offense. And all of a sudden, you got some some decisions with Ryan Odom here, because you got you got some more guys who are about to take up some more minutes. But I love this for the teams late game situations right that's I mean that's what got them against Norfolk State just terrible play late in the game you think back to Orlando really weak finishes uh, particularly against Boise State but also you know Iowa State gave it to them down the stretch but they faded down the stretch too you got a guy in Bamasil who can make clutch shots you got a guy in Bearstow who's absolutely risen to the occasion in NCAA basketball games so far uh, so this this thing opens up a whole big set of discussions for VCU. I continue to think, and I've said this before, ultimately it's a bad thing for college sports, free movement anywhere. Maybe the free market will take care of this, right? Because you got guys who are going on to NIL deals now. You got the NCAA proposal this week to let the schools pay the kids directly through NIL. Presumably, if you're offering an NIL contract, you could mandate terms. You could mandate uh, a kid stay at a school and and you know commit to a school over a period of time. Uh, but boy, it just we we tilt further and further towards that professional spectrum uh, every day. It'll be fascinating to watch uh, over the next little while all right we're gonna step aside here uh next segment coming up you're gonna hear from Roger Goodell I'm gonna fix the NFL's officiating problem then at 11 30 we'll go inside the commander's locker room that's a Thursday tradition and just because the team's bad doesn't mean we're bad we're still making good radio this is 910 the fan not 1051 FM. Thursday morning, what is up? Richmond, Michael Phillips, here, MP on the mic, is the program. And uh, it's that time of the week where we welcome in our guy, Lane Casadante.
1: He's the dean of local TV sports. And if it seems like he knows it all, that's because he does. It's time for Thursdays with Lane Casadante of CBS 6.
2: All right, Lane, what's up, man? hey
1: good afternoon mr phillips how
2: is everyone everybody's good uh you were at bob chesney's introductory press conference at jmu and i want to ask you about that but 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 my main takeaway this morning is this joe bamisill court ruling that potentially puts him on the court for vcu if you get joe bamisill on the court another scorer sean Berstow comes back off the off the injured list here uh you know potentially as soon as this weekend this saturday game against temple I think you've got a really good basketball team. All of a sudden,
1: uh, it, well, not all of a sudden. Eventually, you do. You got to remember, Sean and Joe have not played in a game yet this year, and you cannot expect uh, you know thirty quality minutes from them just coming in cold.
2: That's anno- <laughs> that's annoyingly rational of you, Lane.
1: Yeah, they're they're going to need their version of training camp and spring training. Uh, and Ryan, head coach Ryan Odom, we kind of asked him about both of those players on Monday, and he said, you know. When they get in, it's going to be, you know, we got to work them up to speed. But you're right, once they do get up to speed, if both of them – I I don't know how much I would expect out of either of them, if anything, this Saturday. But if they do get the two of them back, that's a a huge boost to a team that up until this past game has struggled uh, with their outside shooting.
2: It does seem like offense has been the thing for VCU this year. And uh, are you – surprised by that given Ryan Odom's reputation coming in that that, I mean I kind of thought the offense would be humming and the defense would need the work
1: well no I'm not surprised only because of the fact that this is for, for all intents and purposes a brand new team a brand new coach this is not like he came in and there were 12 guys left over from last year that all knew how to play with each other on the court, and you know, are just trying to get used to a new coach's philosophies and and plays and diagrams. This everything is new. I think uh, he had four or five kids left over from last year's team, and only two that saw any action uh, on the court last year. So um, it doesn't surprise me. I think uh, everybody, you know, anybody that watches has watched the game for any amount of time knows that it was going to take a little patience with this vcu team and richmond as well because richmond's in the same boat they had eight brand new kids on their roster this year as well it's it doesn't manufacture overnight having said that these teams are allowed to practice and work out and play together far more than they ever were under the old ncaa rules and that has helped this portal generation Get up to speed a little bit quicker, but it still takes some time.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think when this team was assembled, right? You say this is a weird one-off situation, right? Mike Rhodes leaves for Penn State, takes his best players with him. Ryan Odom comes in, has to rebuild the roster overnight. There's a lot of transfers, but then in the few months since then, I mean, we've got and this Joe Bamisil ruling yesterday. Obviously, not the Joe Bamisil ruling. That's how I refer to it because he was impacted, but this broadly impacts everybody all students all transfers across the board uh, i do fear we're in a world where these practice times are going to be necessary maybe even more exhibition games are going to be necessary because it it doesn't feel like we're moving away from getting more transfers anytime soon
1: well two things two things about this specific ruling and how it affects the game right now first of all i wouldn't expect this ruling to stand Um, It's only a 14-day temporary uh, injunction, and you know the NCAA is going to come back, and their argument is, why do we make rules if you're not going to let us enforce them? I understand where the lawsuit came from, but you have to remember the NCAA put this transfer rule in place to protect the schools and the programs. It's an odd situation uh, that VCU is in advocating for a kid Based on his singular, uh, situation. And that's what they did with Joe. They didn't say the whole transfer rule was bad. They just said that, you know, for the NCAA to put out how they would accept certain exceptions to this rule, he fits it. Um, the rule is there to protect these teams from having to go through this every single year. You know, having kids jump around from one team to the next because you gave them a funny look in practice. I know we're kind of being absurd about that, but it's not that far off from the truth. If kids are allowed to just jump from team to team every single year, there's no way any program outside of the Dukes and the Carolinas and, you know, the the, the blue bloods of college basketball that can maintain any continuity. And even they might struggle Uh, with that from time to time. So the rule is there to protect the teams, um, and that's why I think the NCAA has a strong case for an appeal, is that, listen, we're doing this for you. We're doing this to protect you while trying to give the kids, you know, as much liberty as a non-athlete might have. Uh, But if if the court isn't going to let the NCAA enforce their own rules, then why are they there?
2: It's... That's really well put, Lane. Uh, we got Lane Casadane, CBS 6 Sports here. And I just feel like there's been one too many schools now that have said, we're for the rules, but our kid is special. But our, you know, and, and too many athletic directors who have put out one too many statements about the NCAA being idiotic and short-sighted and all those things. And eventually, the fans read those things and the fans believe those things.
1: Yeah, but the fans, unfortunately, do not take each case in and of it. Self. No, Look at it is saying, oh no. Well, you know this. He should be able to. This transfer rule is stupid. No, it's not. Um, and this is like VCU has to walk this tightrope as well because you have to advocate for the player that is interested in joining your program while still, you know, not really wanting to piss off the NCAA <laughs> that has created a rule that is there for your protection. It, it is a tightrope that you have to walk and these schools take each of these things on a case-by-case basis. The fans and the general public do not.
2: Yeah, it feels like we've, we've cleared out the forest one tree at a time here and, and we all of a sudden looked around there's no forest left uh lane Casadane, cbs6 joining us uh as he does on thursdays uh always appreciate hearing from him he was out at bob chesney's introductory press conference at jmu uh we we played the clips here um kind of a you know a, a slick youngster i, I heard uh, the junkies talking this morning good good looking football coach young guy uh you know very very slick well spoken um wh- what were your first impressions of new jmu football coach bob chesney he is engaging.
1: I mean, you just can't help but like the guy when he – I mean, he came up to me off camera and just, you know, introduced himself again. I'm like, yeah, but coach, I know who you are. I just listened to you. <laughs> and, you know, he's just – he's that guy. He comes off as uh, – he comes off as genuine, um, but he's a mile a minute. He's one of those guys that he, he starts a sentence but his mind is racing so fast that it becomes a sentence fragment and he moves on to something else. And you and I have both talked to our fair share of coaches that do that on a regular basis. Um, the other thing that struck me about him is I looked at he's coached it all, at three different levels of the game. He has won everywhere he has gone. He's only 46, I believe, but he's been a head coach now for 13 years with only one losing season and that was a five and six season i believe his first year at holy cross when he went four and two in the patriot league is now this is a this is a step up in competition he is moving up um you know this is not the patriot league this is the Sun Belt. this is fbs he's got an extra 22 scholarships and things that, uh, you know, being a coach now in college football is more like being a CEO. You're not as much with the X's and O's. You're about managing the overall program, hiring the right people to put in place to get done what you need to get done. But I did go out. He, he won't have anything to do with the team during the bowl game. That's Damian Rabluski and his ragtag bunch of misfits that, you know, God bless them for assembling some kind of staff. <laughs> that is going to post kids in the biggest postseason game in school well outside of the national titles they won excuse me i, I don't want to you know get
2: uh it's a, it's an interesting discussion though right like it you know it's i think you're right it's it's the natty but it's it's definitely it's an apples and oranges but it's a discussion
1: yeah it's it, it, it's the most important game that they've had in the last two years. Let's put it that way. And it's just, there you go. it just, it would be a validation of everything that they've done over the last two years. And and uh, uh, Bob Chesney was out at practice yesterday. He kind of, he's a present. He's introducing himself to the kids. He will offer a tip here and there. But for the most part, he's just observing. He's not getting involved. He is trying to. Uh, allow the staff that has been assembled their autonomy to finish the job that uh, Kurt Signetti and most of his staff started throughout this regular season. He, he, he also said, he said something very uh, interesting and very true is that, you know, this is an odd situation where he's not coming in because the former coach failed. So he has a program that is on the rise. And his job is to not screw it up and keep the ascension going. So it's a little bit different um, uh, situation than one that. You know some of the other coaches around the Commonwealth have entered over the past decade.
2: So uh, so few of those jobs out there, right? Normally, as a coach, you got to take over the uh, the dud program, but uh, he he's he walks into a machine that that's humming pretty well. Uh, Lane Donny from CBS. Might, I will,
1: say, I will say, if I could just add. Oh more, yeah. Like I, the the thing that I trust the most about this situation is the judgment of outgoing JMU athletic athletic director Jeff Bourne. I trust his judgment, and he's been there for a quarter century. He's retiring, but you look at the success the JMU athletic program has had. Jeff Bourne has been the uh, maestro of all of that. I trust his judgment to know that if he thinks Bob Chesney is the right guy for this position, I'm going to believe him.
2: Oh, that, that dude's on the heater of all heaters. Yeah, I mean, in terms of hiring coaches. Yeah, he, he gets the blind trust. I, I said that we was hired. Like, I don't know Bob Chesney. I've never watched a Holy Cross football game. I just know that when Jeff Bourne picks a coach, it's a winner. And so I, I default to thinking this is going to be a good one. Exactly, right. Uh, Lane Casadone, CBS 6. Uh, you got anything uh, fun cooking this weekend uh, on CBS 6?
1: Well, I tell you what, tomorrow... The voting portal opens. We have our finalists in each category for the RVA Sports Awards. Let's go! February. So the finalists have been finalized. Sorry, I can't think of a better phrase right now off the top of my head, but tomorrow at WTVR.com and RichmondTourism.com, you will be able to vote for the uh, winners of each category. I believe there's, uh, I want to say there's about eight categories up there um, from this past year. So log on to WTVR.com tomorrow, and the finalists for each category will be there. Voting is open for a month through the holidays and into January, Uh, and it all culminates on, I believe, the 3rd of February, whatever that first Saturday is with our uh, third annual RVA Sports Awards.
2: A fantastic event a fantastic evening, and those of us in sports radio, thank you for gifting us an easy segment for tomorrow's program. We appreciate it. Vote early, vote often. Vote early, vote often. All right. Link has CBS 6. Thanks to him for dropping by. We're back with more after this. You're listening to 910 The Fan at 105.1 FM. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the
1: shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.